everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go. Well, it was from Genesis to today. More than four thousand years all the way. George John Dicks on Route 66. Hey everyone, welcome to week 33. And we're just making some good time here on our trip through the Bible on Route 66. And we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah this week, kind of on cruise control as we're doing this through the prophets. And you got a good feel for how the prophets work and the style in the book of Isaiah. Now we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is a very long book, so we're going to be here for a little while. So you might as well sit back and enjoy the view. The book of Jeremiah is broken up into four different sections, and it works out real nice this week because we're going to be in the very first section. We're going to be in chapters 1 to 25, and so I thought it would be helpful once again to just look at some key highlights for how to understand Jeremiah, putting it in its context, and then a few things to look for along the way this week. Now, the book of Jeremiah is a collection of oracles by the prophet Jeremiah. It's mostly arranged in poetry, but there are some sizable narrative sections as well, where Jeremiah is kind of playing the leading role. And this week, we'll be focusing on the prophecies of judgment against Jerusalem in chapters 1 to 25. Now, when you get started with Jeremiah, it's real important to have a little bit of an inkling about the time in which Jeremiah is ministering. And there's a real nice summary of that right there in chapter 1 of the book of Jeremiah. I mean, you're getting the whole book in a nutshell right there up front. It tells you when he's living, what kings are reigning, and that provides the framework for understanding the book as a whole. Because when you get into the book, there will be some parts that are chronologically out of order, and that'll be a little confusing. So if you just keep in mind when Jeremiah is living, what kings are reigning, that'll help you out. Now, Jeremiah is ministering basically at the end of the Judah kingdom, the kingdom of the south that we read about at the very end of the book of Second Kings. During the kingship of Josiah and Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. And Israel and Judah goes into captivity there in 586 BC. Now, Jeremiah lived at a time when the Assyrian Empire, which had come down and captured the northern kingdom, they are waning in their power. Egypt and Babylon are vying for supremacy in the region to see which one is, is going to win out. King Josiah actually gets killed by Pharaoh Necho, the Egyptian pharaoh down there in the south. And then eventually Babylon wins the day and King Nebuchadnezzar begins to invade Jerusalem around 598 B.C. 
Now, Jeremiah, he played a very pivotal role in these final years of the southern kingdom. And he's interacting with the kings. So he's at the highest level of power. He's interacting directly with the kings and calling them out. And one of the more intriguing aspects that you're going to see in Jeremiah is his pro-Egyptian and and pro-Babylonian positions. And basically, as he's calling out Judah for their sinfulness, for their idolatry, for their lack of loyalty to God's covenant, he's saying basically the best way for you to save yourself is actually by just accepting that you're going to be invaded by foreigners. Go along with that plan and then your your life will be saved. And that was totally contradictory to everything that the Jews had known. They thought that if they were in the land that they would be safe. There would be no way that God would ever allow his temple or his holy city to be sacked by pagans, by Gentiles, by people who didn't fear the Lord, that that were not part of his covenant people. So it's just absolutely inconceivable to them that Jeremiah would be preaching this message. Hey, you know what your best survival plan is? Go along with the Babylonians. Go along with the Egyptians. Then you might be saved. And we'll especially see that coming out in next week's reading but that's just something to to look for as we move through the book now the chapters that we're going to read this week chapters 1 to 25 really are the heart of Jeremiah's prophecy this is the prophetic word to the Jews and announcing the coming judgment and the reasons that the judgment is coming, primarily because of their unfaithfulness to Yahweh, their idolatry, while at the same time giving appeals to Judah, urging them to repent, that Yahweh will relent his his wrath, that there's still time for them to be saved. But the appeals go unheeded, and eventually there's just complete certainty that the judgment is coming, And then later in the week, we're even going to get a glimpse into Jeremiah's own interactions with Yahweh himself. You know, he's going to engage in some of the things that we've seen before, argument and dialogue and lament and complaint over the disaster that is coming. And and even his own ill treatment by the Jews, he's going to be complaining about that as well. It might be a little bit confusing as you go through because there's going to be some changing of speakers and that sort of thing. It might even help for you to mark that in your Bible as you go through who's talking and what's happening because these are some lengthy sections. It can be sort of confusing as you go. So just keep that in mind. Now let's look at a couple of passages in this week's reading. Just some things that I found interesting as I went along. One of the themes that strikes me is so fascinating in the book of Jeremiah comes in Jeremiah chapter 3. And this is in the section of chapters 2 to 6 where Jeremiah is giving the oracles against Judah's idolatry. He's basically laying out the case for how Judah has broken their covenant with God and why God is on firm ground in sending judgment. And in chapter 3, it gives a motif of divorce. And it says in verse 1, If a man divorces his wife, and she goes from him, and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Would not that land be greatly polluted? 
You have played the whore with many lovers, and would you return to me, declares the Lord. And in this chapter here, he goes on to to compare Israel that was a formerly loving bride to now being in a position of being a prostitute and going with many other lovers or many other idols, worshiping these idols. And I think what's interesting that when we get down to verse eight, basically God says that the word from Jeremiah is that he has divorced Israel. Many scholars, and we alluded to this in the podcast about Exodus, many scholars believe that the ceremony surrounding the enacting of the covenant in the book of Exodus is based on the idea of a Jewish wedding, that God was basically marrying himself to Israel. But now we get to the point where Israel has been so unfaithful to God, he has essentially divorced himself from Israel, from the northern kingdom. And his treacherous sister, Judah, in the south, who he's contending with through the prophet Jeremiah, she does. she's not in fear either. And she's also going out and uh, acting as a prostitute. It's quite a bleak picture that he paints here in chapter 3. And the marriage analogy and the faithfulness of God versus the faithlessness of Israel and Judah is strong. And it is a motif that the prophets are going to continue to revisit as we move forward through Jeremiah and the other books. This marriage motif is something that is a key theme throughout the prophets. And this is the primary way that God used to describe his relationship with his people. And it's even the same motif that he uses to describe us as God's new covenant people. For as it says in Ephesians 5, that the church is the bride of Christ. And that that motif of being the bride is is used in the New Testament, much like in the Old Testament. And so this is an interesting way that God has chosen to be able to identify and, and to communicate about his people, that we are so connected to him in terms of relationship and faithfulness. And that is the kind of relationship he wants us to have with him, that we are faithfully serving him, faithfully worshiping him and having allegiance only to him. Then in chapter four, we're introduced to the threat from the north. And we're not told yet who this threat is. We're just told that there's something in the north, a lion who has gone up from his thicket, a destroyer of nations. But it's really not until chapter 25 where we are told the, that this threat is Babylon. And we're, we're told about the exile that's coming in the 70 years. And that is sort of the, the fulfillment of these first 25 chapters, all the reasons that Jeremiah is giving. So you'll want to look for that in chapter four, just a little bit of, of a foreshadowing, but we don't get the, the full identity until chapter 25. Now, toward the end of the week, when you get to chapter 22, you're going to see some more specific condemnations of the last kings in Judah, Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin. 
these are the last descendants of David and Solomon who are on the throne in Judah. And what we want to re- take a moment to remember here is our big picture story. Remember our, our top level of meaning that we've been talking about throughout this year. That God has made a covenant and he has promised to preserve his people. And then he gave a promise more specifically to David that there was always be a descendant of David's on the throne. Well, here we are. Jehoiakim and Jehoiachin are the last remaining descendants of David on the throne. And judgment has been set and will be enacted against God's people. And as we know from the end of the story, the temple is sacked, Jerusalem is destroyed, and these kings are eventually either killed or maimed and and led away in shame. It would be very shocking to the Jews to read such condemnations. It's no wonder that Jeremiah was so rejected in his own time because it would seem to be a contradiction of the word of God. The word of God, as they understood it, was that Jerusalem would always be safe. There would always be a descendant of David's on the throne and that God would protect his temple. And so here you have this prophet, Jeremiah, who's saying, you know, destruction is coming. And they would think, that's crazy. That contradicts what we know is in the word of God. And they were missing the larger point that God was enacting those covenant curses that we found at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. Well, then when we get to chapter 23, we come back to our big picture story. We want to remember God doesn't just leave us abandoned in chapter 22 of Jeremiah with these condemnations against the kings. He takes us to chapter 23 and gives us a wonderful promise to continue the story. In verse 5, these are critical verses. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, The Lord is our Righteousness. This is a wonderful promise that God is not abandoning his people. Even though judgment is coming, even though destruction is imminent, God promises and renews that promise that he gave to David. He will send a righteous branch. He will send a king that he will not forget his people. He will not forget his promises and he will continue that covenant even though they will be taken away from the land, even though the temple will be destroyed, and even though they will not have a king on the throne for 70 years, God will not leave his people. And that's part of our story, because that righteous branch is Jesus. We will see that fulfillment of verses 5 and 6 in the coming of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. So we have that to look forward to. And then we're going to round out the week in Jeremiah chapter 25. And it might be interesting when you get to chapter 25, verse 10 in particular, it says, And I will send 
sword, famine, and pestilence upon them until they shall be utterly destroyed from the land that I gave them and their fathers. That's a real kind of down note that we're going to end on this week. But those of you who are really familiar in, with your Bible are going to hear an echo of Revelation chapter 18, particularly verses 21 and 23, where the Apostle John also talks about Babylon. And there's some nice parallels between this ancient Babylon and the Babylon in the book of Revelation. And, and John kind of uses this imagery and imports that into his book. And so you might think about some of those parallels between the Babylon of Revelation and the Babylon as it's described here in the book of Jeremiah. It's going to be some great reading this week, so just make sure you know your history. If you have to look back real quick at the end of Second Kings to refresh your memory about those final kings, that wouldn't hurt. But it shouldn't be too tough this week. And this is just some great material. And we'll continue our journey through the book of Jeremiah as we reconvene next week. And I want to thank you for joining me. And I look forward to continuing the adventure with you on the Points of Interest podcast. We'll see you next week. God bless. Yeah.